1: In the build-up to this year's Grand Final, there's going to be heartbreak and there's going to be uh, heart f- fulfilment. We're going to talk about a little bit of heartbreak for both these teams in their history. Jack Slattery and Jeff White, our special guests. Yes, indeed, uh, Heartwarming or heartbreaking were the two things I was looking for in that botched little intro there. But welcome to the Sporting Capital. We can only go up from here. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Of course, this is your show. You co-host it with me. Um, so the show is just not complete without your calls. one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 736 is the number. Um, so, guest-wise tonight, really looking forward to this. Um, there's for, One of the reasons why this is such a captivating grand final is because both of the teams that are playing in it um, and especially over the last fifty to sixty years there 's been very little joy there 's been very little uh, in the highlight reel there 's been very little success but there 's been a lot of heartbreak and there 's been a lot of heartache uh, for some of the teams and when we look back we 've been looking back at the the, the history making moments where these teams have been able to achieve so we 've talked thousand nine hundred and sixty four grand final for melbourne we 've you know talked about fifty four for the bulldogs two thousand and sixteen for the bulldogs and we 've spoken to people involved in that but um, when you've been, and supporters will know this, when you've barracked for a team for all of your life and very rarely have you even got to the biggest stage of all, which is grand final day, let alone win one, you know that the ones that you lose can so, be so important in building the story behind the ones that you win. So behind every success for teams that haven't had much of it in recent years, and we're talking the last 60 years, there's always the story that when things didn't go their way. And those are the times, as difficult as they are, that make the great moments even greater. So we're going to relive some of those moments that have helped build up to where we are on Saturday between these two great clubs. Um, so from Melbourne's point of view, we'll speak to Jeff White, who was uh, playing for Melbourne in the year 2000. And in that time too, I mean, in eight years, they made six um, final series. So he was at Melbourne in the last... Era that they had some sustained performance and were in contention. So we're looking forward to catching up with Jeff White um, a little later on in the show. And from a Western Bulldogs point of view, a Footscray point of view, um, really excited to speak to a man that was part of the 1961 Grand Final side that went down to Hawthorne and and there's so many similarities when we're looking at all these stories. But Jack Slattery, um, who was actually born and raised in Eagle Hawk, which is just to the north of Bendigo, we, it's, a, it's an area of great contention for the wonderful people of Eagle Hawk because it is part of the city of Greater Bendigo, but you can't tell someone from Eagle Hawk that they're from Bendigo. They get they dirty up pretty quickly. So um, Jack Slattery, who's from just near my hometown of Bendigo uh, in Eagle Hawk, um, he's going to join me to talk about the 1961 Grand final. That was the first year that Hawthorne ever made a grand final, won a minor premiership, and won a premiership. So um, there's a lot of eerie similarities between that and what's happening this year and, and then what happened to them in 1954 with the Bulldogs getting their first premiership. So uh, we'll talk to you about all of that. And the captain coach, of course, of that 61 team was uh, the late, great EJ Whitten, Mr. Football. He was All-Australian that year. He won their best and fairest. He won their goal-kicking as well. So he was at peak EJ. When wasn't he? But um, So we can't wait to, to go down all those roads with Jack Slattery a little later on. And then Lauren Jackson, who has the honour of being the first Australian player inducted into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame in the US and when you look at the names of the people that she was inducted with, she is absolutely worthy to sit alongside those and all the others that have uh, achieved that um, highest of accolades um, in the basketball world. So Paul Pierce, Chris Bosh, Ben Wallace and uh, Tony Kukoc, all championship winners in the NBA. Chris Webber as well. And Bill Russell, one of the greatest of all time, who's actually just the fifth person to be inducted as a player and a coach. So a dual inductee is Bill Russell. So Lauren Jackson um, becomes the first Australian player and second Australian behind Lindsay Hayes. Um, to be inducted, and she is our greatest ever basketballer. Um, I mean, when you look at her resume, no one has put together a body of work and achieved what she's achieved, and we'll work our way through all of that with her a little later on in the show. But what do I want to talk about tonight? In a minute, we're just going to play a little bit of um, the discussions today around Michael Voss and the likely, um, the likely decision that we're being told will occur in Carlton, making him their next coach. Gary and Tim spoke about it today. Justin Lepich spoke about it today. Um, So we're going to talk a little bit about that. But I was trying to think of a topic today that I thought we could really sink our teeth into, especially because it's been a pretty confronting sort of day, especially around Melbourne. Um, Apologies to those listening uh, anywhere else around the country, whoever you're finding us, wherever you're finding us, but uh, SENSA as well. Um, So I thought, what's something that can warm the hearts for us a little bit? And every year when you open the paper or turn on the radio or turn on your TV on a Sunday after a grand final. There's the recap of the game. And then the next stories are always about the heartwarming stories. The, the, the stories of triumph through adversity, the feel-good stories of the grand final, whether it be a player who was delisted and now finds, finds a new home, um, you know, whether it be somebody who's, you know, crossed from one club to another, you know, there's there's so many great stories uh, all throughout. Whether it's a player who only, rec- you know, was only just able to find their way back into the team just before finals, and now is going to play, you know, become an unlikely premiership player. All those, there's all these great stories every year. So I want you to tell me now, a few days out from the grand final, who's going to be the feel good story of the grand final? Who's going to be the heartwarming story? Is it Max Gorn? Is it Ben Brown? Is it Simon Goodwin? Is it Josh Shackey? Is it Steph Martin? I'll throw one up at you now. And I loved reading this story in the age. Uh, Michael Gleeson wrote a story about Rourke Smith. And I got to say, I wasn't aware. I knew a little bit of it. But the Rourke Smith journey to an AFL grand final in the Michael Gleeson story is, is a fantastic one. So this is a guy. Who is? And this is how Michael Gleeson starts it off. Rourke Smith is the definition of a fringe footballer. This time next week, he could be a premiership player. So he was rookie picked by the Bulldogs three times. Twice he's been cut from the dogs list and then reselected. He has lived on seven successive rookie contracts and twice he has had his knee reconstructed. So just think about all the the doubts, all the fear all the anxiety around do i have a job next year he's been doing it for seven successive years and finally he's going to go out and play in a grand final that's phenomenal that's extraordinary so there's a feel-good story that could be the one obviously if melbourne win the drought break is going to be what everybody will want to talk about and that's the greater that's the helicopter view that's that's the headline act, that the drought, the 57-year drought would be over. But in amongst that, there's always the, the personal story. So I want you to tell me what that's going to be. one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 736 is the number. And I just need to thank the person who texted me in, James. I accidentally said that George Hewitt had won a best and fairest at the Swans. You're 100% right. 2019, he came second. He didn't actually win it. Dane Rampey did. Slip of the tongue on my behalf. But thank you so much for setting me straight uh, on that. So give me who will be the feel-good story, the heartwarming story of this year's AFL Grand Final from either club if they're to win it. one 736 Before we jump into that, Damien in Frankston North. G'day, Damien.
2: Hey, Sammy. How are you, mate? I'm
1: tonight? good,
0: thanks. What do you got for me? Uh, I want to talk about the game, and then I want to get on to my feel good story from both sides. Is that okay? Far away. Yep. So from the doggies, I have got Cody Waitman. I think he'll have a, a uh, amazing game, and I think the doggies will win mm-hmm. comfortably. Um, and from the demons, I'm going to go on a, a lighter note here, maybe, bit of a not, you know, a big player. I'm going to go to
1: Charlie uh, Spargo. Well, and, and Damo, thank you for the call. See, that's a, that's a great nomination, Charlie Spargo. He's got red, white and blue running through his veins. When you look at his family tree, uh, Bob and Andy have had his grandfather on, which apparently, and I didn't get to hear it, and I still want to, SEN.com.au, apparently one of the funniest interviews that we've had on the station um, all year. But the Spargo family connection, especially to the Western Bulldogs, and their lineage through football is an extraordinary one. So that's worth a read, and that's a great nomination uh, from Damo. So one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Stewart's in Melton. G'day, Stu.
4: Just one out of left field, uh, by the way. Go dogs! But
1: Adam Trelaw wouldn't go to Richmond because
4: he wanted to play in a Premiership team. Went to Collingwood. Might get it at the Dogs.
1: He very. May well, and that's a great nomination, Stuart, everything that he had to endure at the end of last year and even in the lead-up to the finals where we all seem to lose our collective minds about uh, the one bad game and, and, um, and absolutely don't mind the fact that that was pointed out, that he'd had a bad game and um, that maybe his body language wasn't where it needed to be, but it certainly was overblown by some sections of the media and even got personal uh, in the end. So, you know, the way that he backed that up in the prelim. And what he might be able to do on grand final day, Stuart. Um, that's a great nomination, mate. Thank you very much. One uh, 736 So, where are the D's fans? Tell me, D's fans. What, obviously, the overarching feel good story, the heartwarming story, is going to be if you win that it's the fifty seven year drought over. And in amongst that, then the 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 mind goes back to you know, a lot of sort of harrowing and painful and, and tragic things that have occurred, uh, f- you know, from a Melbourne footy club point of view and from an AFL point of view um, over the recent years. And we think of Jim Steins, we think of Sean Wright, we think of, you know, Robbie Flair, and we look at what Neil Danaher's doing at the moment as well. And those are the, the ones that, that really do um, bring a tear to the eye. And um, But there's also the other stuff, you know, the the... The the fact that they almost merged in nineteen ninety six. You know there was the tanking saga. There's been things that they've brought upon themselves, and so all the long suffering D's fans know every one of those stories. But tell me what the feel good story will be. Who will be the person that you think will be uh, the heart warmer, the tearjerker? One 1-300-736-736. I want to hear from some D's fans. Maybe they're just not wanting to jinx it. <laughs> We're getting a lot of dogs nominations here um, at the moment. Harry's in Donvale. G'day, Harry.
4: G'day. How are you going?
1: I'm, re- I'm well, thanks.
4: So, Mine would be Mitch Hannon. Dogs, demons, back to the dogs. Um, a lot of people doubted him, and now he's going to play in the grand final.
1: Yeah, he's... Um, I saw a stat somewhere, and I've got to try and find it, about how many players have left a club only to play them next year in a grand final. I don't think it's a heap, um, but I think the Swamp Thing might have chucked something up about that uh, over recent days, so I'm I'm going to try and find that, and it's interesting too about Hannon, isn't it, Harry? That he he had to fight his way into this side, he was in and he was out, Absolutely. and he's now been able to cement his position. And it's interesting that, and it's a great example too of how you don't have to have the, the ball often 30 times. You don't have to have big numbers to have big impact. He's had some really crucial moments during this final series. You know, he dished off the handball after hitting the pack at speed coming out of the square to give to Bailey Smith to kick the to, to kick the go ahead goal, um, which obviously they levelled the scores a bit later. The Lions, but that was that was Mitch Hannon, and he's done a couple more that I'm I'm just um, just uh, trying to reach into the the recesses of the brain. But he had a couple of other key moments in the prelim as well, so uh, he's a good nomination, Harry.
4: Well, his versatility is probably keeping Mitch Wallace out.
1: Yeah, you could be right there. Um, and there's a couple that could lay claim to that. But um, it's a good nomination, Harry. So good luck Saturday, mate. Cheers. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. It's more than a drought. It's a curse. The Norm Smith curse will be broken. That's from the Maestro... From Q, thank you, Maestro. Is that another Seinfeld reference? We were just speaking about Nathan Kruger earlier. Um, catch defender who's played a couple of games and might be on the move. Collingwood, St Kilda with some interest. And I was saying how I was shattered that I didn't that he got dropped for the game. I called he played two games and I was going to call Geelong the next week. And I was shattered when he was dropped because I had so many Seinfeld references to talk about and you know wanted to bring up um, you know his his father's um, skin cancer scare. Uh, talk about the day that him and his dad went to the beach and um, threw all of a, a, bald, a, a short, stocky, bald man's gear into the ocean, uh, and many, many other humorous uh, Seinfeld references. But we weren't able to do it, so I'm wondering if the maestro is another Seinfeld reference. One three hundred seven three six. Seven three six zero four double three, 3 ninety eight uh, eleven sixteen uh, this has come through Bailey fritz didn 't get picked to play Nab boys played in div four under nineteen grand Final for Coldstream in the eastern footy League um, that 's a great story isn 't it players that get there by the non conventional route. And Bailey Fritch, I think he was very stiff not to be all Australian this year. I had him in my side. Feel good story. Trelaw wins the Norm Smith. My good story moment is Max Gorn, the real captain's run. Max will help get the D's home on Saturday night. If he if Max is to have that game, um if Max is to have that kind of game and that kind of impact and get a Norm Smith, he's gonna be the first Ruckman since um and just the second ruckman ever. Um since Simon Madden, back in 1985. We're actually going to speak to Simon Madden on Thursday night, so I'm really looking forward to that. And we might even bring up that stat with Jeff White, how there's only ever been one Ruckman win a Norm Smith medal, especially given at the moment it would be a bit in vogue to talk about that every award seems to go to midfielders. Um, Off the text, Bailey Smith, without a doubt, the best story. Controversy not long ago, yet the best since Dusty, apparently. He's the modern-day Wolfpack for Collingwood um, that stood up for uh, a mate. Um, Brett Deledio and Luke Ball both played their old clubs in the next grand final. That's from Dave uh, in Marumba, uh, Marumba Sorry. Um, I think T-Mac will be a good story. Or Viney. Not many father-sons in both grand finals. Perhaps one father-son. Um, perhaps one father so There's a few father-sons out there. Viney as well. And we've got Hunter. Um, as we know, Libba too. And you think back to the Bulldogs, 97, oh so close and the role that Libba played and was that a goal, or was that a point? Sorry to dredge up some painful memories, but we are going to do a bit of that tonight. Um, 0433 98 uh, 11 16 1300 Yusuf is in Turak. G'day, Yusuf. Hey,
5: matey. How are you?
1: Good. What do you got for me?
5: Yeah, matey. So I'm actually a Brisbane Lions supporter. hmm And um, we're rolled by both of the sides, as you know, Melbourne and the Dogs. And... Um, well, just to, in in terms of the grand final, we just want to see a hard contest, and mate, I, I want to see a draw. a
4: draw.
1: I want to
5: see uh, a draw. I, 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 yeah,
1: yep. You know, we don't come back next week. We know. You know, we go to extra time now, Yusuf. Yeah,
5: well, let it keep going as long as it can. It'll, well, uh, I don't know if I could say this on the radio, but please don't swear. Please don't swear. Uh, no, no, I'm not going to swear, but. Um, what wouldn't mind seeing a few of those big-body midfielders coming off through a stretcher. So... What's that, sorry? What wouldn't mind seeing a few of those big-body mids like really hit the contest hard. And, you know, if one of them comes off via a stretcher, well, so be it. Oh, we
1: don't... We we, we don't want that, Yusuf. We don't... Um, I know that we like to see hard and physical and fierce contest, but... No, we don't want to see players going off on a stretcher, mate. You just put yourself in the, the shoes of the family members that watch in those moments. It is um, it is incredibly um, scary for them. It's They're awful moments. I, I've spoken to a couple of family members who have had to to sit and wait and watch. Um, so I hear you that we want a, a good, strong and physical contest, but we certainly don't want players going off on stretches. Um, I, I know you didn't mean anything by that, but... Yeah, we, we, we don't want to cheer for that. We want to cheer for a great game. And it sounds like that's what you want as well. Uh 736 So when Paul Deere won in 91, he wasn't a recognised Ruckman. I, I threw this up the other day that, because I know, when someone said to me, yeah, if Max Gorn's to get the Norm Smith, he'll be the second, only the second ever Ruckman to do it. And I'm trying to cast my mind back to 91 and I think that the people that are texting in are right, that I think he did play a lot in the ruck that day. Not a, not a recognised ruckman. He, uh, Greg was, the, was Hawthorne's ruckman, but I've got a feeling that he spent a bit of time there. So I'm going to go back and check that. But it's in terms of out-and-out out recognised ruckman, um, he would be the second. But I'm going to double-check that. Thank you for those texts coming through. One thing that Yusuf was spot on about, if there was ever a year where we could really do with an extra time grand final just to keep it going... And I know that that might mean it finishes a little bit later, um, but given that we are in lockdown in Victoria anyway, um, maybe a, an overtime granny wouldn't be bad at all. One three hundred seven three six seven three six. So the topic tonight is: give me, if your team wins or if a particular team wins, who will be the feel-good story of it? Give me the player. Give me the story. Give me the journey one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Who will be the heart-warmer? Who will be the tearjerker? Who will be the feel-good story that best encapsulates that win? one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Sporting Capital. All right, let's put this to bed once and for all. Now, when I said a little earlier that if Max Gorm was to win the Norm Smith, he'd just be the second Ruckman never ever do that after Simon Madden in 85. And I was 100% right, and I did say that I had to question that at the time when I was talking about it a couple of days ago with my producer, Julio, Um, and I thought, geez, was Paul Deere in the ruck in 91? I can remember him being at some centre bounces, but I settled on the fact that, no, no, he wasn't the starting Ruckman and the recognised Ruckman that day. A uh, couple of people then, Jerry, and this is, there's a real Seinfeld theme developing, and I'm liking it. Jerry, you got in my head a little bit, and I started second-guessing myself. Uh, but luckily, Chris has corrected us. Corey has as well, uh, and I appreciate that. So I really should have stuck to my guns, Jerry, but I allowed you to get in my head. Uh, and after doing some very, very deep research in that four-minute ad break, So, Paul Deere was named in the forward pocket. So, he was the second ruckman. So, he gave Steve Lawrence a chop out. Steve Lawrence started in the ruck. Deere ended up kicking two goals. He had eight kicks, eight handballs, eight marks, uh, and 11 of those and six of the marks came in the second quarter, um, which was a decisive quarter for the Hawks in 1991 when they were kicking with the breeze. So... Um, good on you for just... I just wavered ever so slightly, didn't I? Uh, and uh, Trent Langsdale from GRV uh, got onto me as well um, for that one, just to remind me that, no, no, you had it right the first time. Um, so keeping moving now with our what's the feel-good story, if if either of these sides is going to win. Obviously, for Melbourne, we know that it's the drought break. But what within the story, there's always the stories. The heartwarmers, the the player who's you know achieved through adversity, um or you know who was the surprise inclusion and has a big impact on the game. Um, there's there's always that heartwarming story, the tearjerker, the feel good. So what's it going to be? Yeah, one three hundred seven three six seven three six zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. Um, Sammy, if the D's get up, it'll be better than Festivus. Nicely done, very good. Uh, Greg's in South Australia. G'day, Greg. Uh, yeah, mate, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Uh, look, I just... Um,
4: I used to go over in the 80s when the uh, was uh, playing for Melbourne and there was three or four South Australians that went over in them days and one was OBS, one was Stretch and all that. And there was about 30 or 40 of us that used to go over and uh, stay together and, and watch Melbourne. And uh, there's a lot of South Australians hoping that... Melbourne get up today because uh, uh, this weekend, I mean, uh, because of that reason. So um, we're hoping that South, the South Australian influence for Melbourne helps them get through.
1: So uh, that's a great nomination, Greg, and I appreciate it. Well, give me just take us through again. I don't have it up in front of me, but do you know off the top of your head uh, how many demons uh, are going to be playing in the 22 that are South Australians?
4: Well, I know Andrew Opps, Stephen Stretch, uh, Todd Viney, his father, or the Viney. Anyway, yeah, so there was three there, and there, and I'm sure there was a couple
1: others. What about Saturday? Uh, in that era. What about Saturday in the 22?
4: i got no idea, <laughs> but uh, uh, I know Todd Viney's son's playing. Absolutely. And that's, so that's what we we're, were. As I said, we it just... Um, Uh, i back for Port Adelaide and Adelaide at the moment, but what I'm Mm. trying to say is Port Adelaide weren't in the competition then, so we used to go watch our players from Port Adelaide play in Melbourne.
1: Ah, so that's the connection.
4: uh, That's the connection. So there's a lot of players that uh, were playing from Port Adelaide over there, and um, uh, they all went to Melbourne for some reason, a lot of them.
1: From our area. Hey, Greg, thank you for that. Love those history lessons. Uh, keep them coming. I appreciate it. Thank you, mate. No worries. Bye. Here we go. So um, Port Adelaide fans with an affinity uh, for Melbourne. That's where they're... Or well, Greg and his Port Adelaide mates' uh, allegiances will be lying, and that's who they'll be barracking for come grand final day. John's in Greensbury. G'day, John.
2: Yeah,
1: thank you, Sammy.
5: Yeah, look, there's a, as a lanky full forward that's going to line up uh, with Melbourne this weekend, who wasn't went, wanted by the kangaroos. And I've got a few uh, kangaroo mates who actually couldn't wait to get rid of him. Now, he's already played a pretty integral role, but wouldn't it be nice if he kicks six in the grand final and ends up being um, the, the Norm Smith? Uh, but either way, what a story that would be anyway, because he, he seems like a good fella, and I reckon... They probably wouldn't have done it without him because he's changed the dynamics at, um in the forward line for for Melbourne. Just as they were not actually travelling that that well because they hit a bit of a low point, and then um, after having a few games in the twos, he came in and and sparked them up a little bit. So I reckon he's a good story.
1: 100% John 100% I love that and I couldn't agree with you more I can remember having a chat about Melbourne when I started to get a little bit concerned at about the midway point of the year maybe even two-thirds of the way in because at that time and I've, I've got to try and remember exactly when it was but they were ranked seventh or eighth for scoring um, and I've always been a big believer and, and the history shows us that to win a premiership you basically more often than not have to have a top four offence meaning you have to be in the top four scoring teams in the comp uh, and you have to be in the bottom four for scores conceded. So you've got to have a top four offence, a top four defence. Um, and at that time, Melbourne had the top two defence. Them and Geelong were sort of alternating week to week, but, but absolutely for a long part of this year and, and finishing the year, Melbourne have been the best defensive side of the season. But they've now got their offence into, into the top four. Um, through the through the last part of the season and through finals as well, so they tick that box. Top four offense, they're a top defense, and interestingly enough, I've gone back and had a look, and and the majority of the winners in recent times of the grand final. So you've got to have the only team that that bucked this trend over the last. And I was just I haven't completely solidified the research yet, but I'm going to roll it out Thursday. But when I was having a look back, the Dogs in 2016 were ranked 7th during the regular season uh, for goals scored. So they are the exception to the rule in 2016. But if you look back over the grand final winners um, over the last sort of 10 years, I think it's about 8 out of 10, maybe 9 out of 10. Have to, so you have to have a top four offense. But it's the team that's higher ranked defensively that has won the premiership. There's only one or two times in the last sort of 10 to 15 years that that's been different. But, but generally, there's a, the, the stats are really weighted towards the team. So you have to have a top four offence to, to win a grand final and to often make a grand final. But certainly to win it, you've got to be top four. So you've got to, be, you've got to kick a winning score. Uh, but the team that had, was, was, was better ranked defensively, they, they're the team that wins the grand final. There are, some, there are some exceptions to that and some outliers, but generally if you look back on it and do, do that homework yourself, so Melbourne were the number one-ranked defence this year. So they're a, a higher-ranked defence than the Western Bulldogs, conceded fewer points, and that's what I'm basing it off, points conceded. So that stat is heavily in the Demon's favour, but your part to that, Ben Brown, is crucial because once he came into the side and got settled, their scoring rate went way up. And they went from, I think, seventh or eighth and now into fourth uh, from where they find themselves now. So that's a fantastic nomination, mate. I love that one. Ben Brown, what a feel-good story uh, he would be and what a difference he has made. one The feel-good story, we're predicting them now ahead of Saturday's grand final. If either Melbourne or the Western Bulldogs win, who will be the one that tugs on the heartstrings? And this is a good nomination from Brett. Um, Michael Hibbert, after what happened at Essen and then uh, tragically losing his brother last year. Yeah, you you wouldn't begrudge Michael Hibbard, would you, Um, having a medal round his neck uh, come Saturday. Um, Keep these coming through. It's great. We've got Jeff White to join us, Jack Slattery as well to talk about the 61 grand final loss, and Lauren Jackson will be on the show as well after becoming the first Aussie player to be inducted into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. So we've got a big show, but it's nothing without your calls. We'll keep working through them. Gordon, Mark, Anthony, Brad, you're up next.
3: Also, too, luck has a bit to play in some of these things. And when you're ready, and what club you get, and what you do, I think you know. Chris was only three years out of the game when he got Geelong, and but he just went to a club that was just such a fully supportive club that understood the big picture. He's he's surrounded by just such you know goodness around him that he's able to sort of guide his guide their way through it. And you know, as he's on the job, so that, that he had the, the I guess the beauty be able to do that. whereas some clubs you don't get that opportunity to do that, which would be similar to him early days at Brisbane. So now he's now. He's He's fully prepared. He knows every part of the business. He knows what's coming at him. So, uh, yeah, he'll be acutely aware. I don't think even all the past issues this year of Carlton are going to phase him all too much. I think he'll be able to work with those and, and slowly bit by bit bit get everyone back on page, which is what he's good at. He's a good standard setter as well. Um, so he'll make the players better just in those in those things.
1: Justin Lepich uh, speaking about his three-time premiership skipper, Michael Voss, uh, being more prepared uh, for what might be to come uh, in the box seat, we're told, by Tom Morris yesterday and reports, uh, a lot of them confirming that he is the man to beat in the race to be Carlton's next coach. And um, Jared asked Lepa about the presence of Michael Voss.
3: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you know, just just having the name Michael Voss is a starting point. But, um, yeah, absolutely, he's got presence as well. Um, so, and and we heard Lee Matthews say sometimes that presence can be a negative in the modern-day coaching because, it, it, you know, pr- promotes almost a feeling of superiority, which kids don't sort of handle well nowadays. Whereas, you know, if, you can still be strong but also realise as well that, you know, I still have to work together and, and, and give players um, what they want and show empathy and care. I think if, if you've got that fine balance, you can still be that strong leader.
1: More presents than Christmas, Michael Voss. Of um, if, if my whole childhood, whenever anyone said, "Who's your favourite non-Hawthorne player?" Michael Voss. Um, I was too young. I only got. I was. I think I was four when Lee Matthews, even though he's a Hawthorne player, when he um, when he retired, um, Wayne Carey was obviously one of the best players i have ever seen. But when anyone would say, "Who's your favourite player?" a non-Hawthorne player, I would always say Michael Voss. Um, He is the personification of presence, I reckon. Um, And there is an interesting discussion, isn't there, about the greats of the game when they become coaches? and how it can be a blessing and a curse, the, the single-mindedness that made them champions sometimes hasn't been able to translate into their ability to coach because it's like, well, you've you got to see things my way. One of the things that I would be assured that Michael Voss has worked on is, and, and by his own admission on the way he communicates, empathises, understands, um, um, you know, relates to... Um, you know, he's, he's the humanity, the humane side of it, the the mindful side of it, the understanding that people are wired differently side of it. So he, he will be a phenomenal appointment for Carlton. Um, and it's two big ticks for them. They've taken a strange way to get there. But they've got two very strong people. If, if Michael Voss is confirmed, they're with Brian Cook now, and what they have to do though, Carlton, is not do what they've done in the past when they've got people of this calibre in and that's to shout them down and not want to listen when they say, hey, we've got a better way of doing it. They just have to hand it over. In good faith, just hand it over. We'll step back. Please take us to where we want to go and we won't interfere and won't meddle. Um, But what an appointment he would be, Michael Voss. It would be, yeah, fantastic for the Carlton Footy Club and for Carlton fans. And and just hearing that, Brian Cook, CEO, Michael Voss coach, um, if you're a blue bagger, surely that sort of gets your shoulders sort of twitching and uh, gets you up and about. Absolutely. Um, We're talking... Heartwarming story. Who's going to be the tearjerker? Who's going to be the one that tugs on the heartstrings if either side's going to get a win and which one side will? But who will be the real feel-good story of a grand final win? From Melbourne or from the Western Bulldogs, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 Gordon's in Good day, Gordon. Hi, how are you today? I'm well, thank you.
2: Good. So are you earlier really cool was you talking about uh, South Australian players in the Melbourne side?
1: Yeah. There are three that I know of. Yes, give them to me.
2: Uh, Alex Neil Bullen, yeah. who was from Glenelg. He yep. went to Sacred Heart. Um, Harrison Petty, who was at Norwood. And Tom Sparrow.
1: There we go. There's the SA connection. And having those guys all played such pivotal oh, yeah. roles, <laughs> and, and they are all good stories in their own right. Neil Bullen's sort of been an in-and-out player for most of his career. And um, the his acceptance of a role that often goes unheralded, but to be um, a, a high, pr- uh, you know, that, that half-forward role that comes in and applies um, immense pressure, along with Spargo mm-hmm. and then what Cosby Pickett does as well, and he's been able to he, he creates opportunities, he's a good provider inside Ford 50, he's been able to kick a few himself, but it's it's giving over of yourself it's be, he's become a selfless player in playing a really important role, a lot like what Craig McRae mm-hmm. did um, for the Brisbane Lions, Gordon, so he's uh, he is yeah. a great story, Alex Neil Bullen well, He's an elite
2: runner, um, yeah, and fit. He, he he would run all day. And hasn't that been well, he, a, he,
1: Yeah, go you go.
2: And he was a pick forty. Yep. And Petty was Petty was a pick seventy six. So I mean, he, he's sitting under the crows and port They 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 seen him at Norwood, and they all missed him. Everyone missed him.
1: Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great point, and and he as well. Um, Cosy Pickett was. Born in WA, but uh, That's right. but played for Woodville West Torrens, so he's another with an SA connection. A couple of people texting that through Brett as well. With with Teddy yeah, Gordon, he, oh, he came. Yeah, go for he it. Gone. No, you go.
2: He, no, no, no. He, he came through Port Districts and then into Woodville West Torrens yeah. because of that. So yeah. I think that was his junior club. But I think Neville Neville is his uncle on the other side.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll have to double check that. Um,
2: with, yeah, yeah. yeah I've, with, I've got a feeling that, yeah. that there's some relationship there. With Harrison Petty.
1: Can. Mm. With Harrison Petty, Gordon, I reckon he's a ripping nomination as well. And I've often talked about him this year as playing the designated driver role, um, where he allows, he allows May and Lever and the other boys just to get on their. You know, you, you guys go and have a good time. Um, give me the keys. I'll stay here and I'll, yeah. I'll hold the jackets at the table while you get out on the dance floor. Um, I'll be the one to drive us all home. He, he plays such a key role. But again, it's that selfless. Role that he plays to to sacrifice his, you're probably, himself.
2: You're, you're probably find he's, he's quite often coming in as that third man. Once he, once he realises where it's coming in, he can then come off and provide that third third man punch. So I think that's where like if they try to use Shaky to cut off Lever, you might find that if they start going to Shaky where Lever is, you'll, you'll find Petty coming in and going bang. Go on, that's, some, that's the sort of role.
1: There. Some great nominations, mate. Thank you for calling. Really appreciate yeah. it.
2: It's all right, I'm going, I'm going on Saturday anyway, so I'm going are to be you, there. Are you, you're headed across,
1: So yep. are, are you in Perth now? Oh, yeah.
2: No, 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 I'm heading across Thursday, so um, just just to see Melbourne in the grand final, mate, is something I never dreamed of.
1: Are you a D... De- oh, sorry, <laughs> I didn't realise that you were a D de- supporter. <laughs> no, God, no, no. You, well, well, talk, talk to me, how yeah. are you
2: feeling? Um, <laughs> Pretty confident, actually, because I think that Geelong were a vastly better side than Port Adelaide, and... For Melbourne to beat them the way we beat them I think with a better effort than what bulldogs to beaten beating Port Adelaide because they just they just didn't turn up so I'm pretty pretty confident
1: well mate enjoy what an experience I'm going to <laughs> um, you, you're traveling over um, historic times outside of victoria again into Perth you go um, it'll be you, you you'll be able to say I was there Um and come what may, but I hope it's an exciting day for you. I hope it's a memorable one, and I hope to speak to you. Make sure you give me a call Monday, Gordon, if the Ds are to get up, okay? No problem. Good on you, mate. Uh, enjoy. Uh, Anthony's in Point Cook. G'day, Anthony. G'day,
0: Sam. Thanks for taking my call.
1: No, thank you for calling.
0: Now, I'm a, I'm a doggy, and I just want to leverage off that discussion with Michael Boss and Carlton, and I think a real um, factor is going to be Luke Beveridge. Mm. Um, so as a you know an avid Bulldog supporter, seeing... What he's been able to do with his, he's you know win loss record at seventy percent in finals, the way he's activated Shackie, um, you know Shacky arguably a fringe player, um, I, I just think he is a huge factor in in this game and, and where he puts those pawns. But I think you know I, I can empathise with um, with some of the uh, the Carlton to, to be a doggy and experience what they may be able to experience in a week's time, the jubilation and the glee. Um, you know, and Bevo to get us there for a second time in five years um, and break the drought. I just think, you know, his market value has to be, you know, one of the best in the AFL. But we talked about, you know, um, heartfelt. I think Tim English for mine, I think he's going to be unmatched with um, with a few others. Uh, he's going to be able to, to, to run... Run rampant, I think. So yeah, Tim English for mine. Um, you know, he's been there from a from a and he's really developed well, and, and he's been a focal point all year um, for that, those long balls. Um, and I think with those um, you know grippy hands, he's going to be one hard to stop. So
1: I think that's a fantastic nomination, especially Luke Beveridge, Anthony. If if he's to coach the Bulldogs to another flag, that's a statue. That's a statue at Witton Oval. Um, he's only there. Well, he's, he's, there's only two premiership coaches at that football club. If he becomes the third and has two out of the three, that's a statue, surely.
0: Well, he's got a lot. Of, he's got a lot going for him. He's got the drought breaking. He's got first ever to take a team from seventh. I can't remember the last team from fifth. Maybe Adelaide '97. Um, so they'd take them from fifth, arguably they should have been in the top four, but. You know what a remarkable effort, and um, if I was Carlton, I'd probably be trying to size him up. I don't know what his market day would be, but there's a, I wouldn't want to lose him. But there would be a, there would be a good starting point coming you- out of you know, beads <laughs> yeah. and what he's done through the ranks. You know, I think he doesn't get uh, enough um, enough praise, and, and as a Bulldog supporter, as I said, for him to take us through the, the joys and the jubilee. And in fact, when I compare on paper this team to the 2016 team. Um, in my opinion, this is a, a far deeper team, um, you know, and, and is keeping mm. some very good players out you know, against the that, the last caller. Um, I also have to look look at the facts. You know, if we've got Melbourne that's played a, a virus-riddled Geelong team, um, Bulldogs didn't play uh, anyone with uh, the you know adversity. So Port Adelaide didn't have a virus. Port Adelaide were primed. They were you know at the top of the table. They were were un, unlucky last year and. I think the doggies are are, are primed and and strapped, um, you know, at the right time. So, fingers crossed. But, again, you know, it'd be lovely to see Melbourne win and those supporters to enjoy the same, you know, jubilee that we had in 2016 because that feeling is, you know, it's remarkable.
1: Hey, that's really nice of you, Anthony. That's, uh, that's, 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 That's sportsmanship at its finest between fans, isn't it? Obviously, you want your team win, but you'll be, be able to smile and enjoy it for, for Melbourne if they are to get up and experience what you were able to experience after a 62-year drought for their 57-year. Uh, that's very good of you. And isn't that a great point about Luke Beveridge? I mean, what makes a great coach? Well, certainly one of the things is being able to get a player who hasn't been able to reach, um, to be able to reach the heights that they might have expected to get as a number two draft pick, but to have them to play the best football of their life and to have them playing an important role Um, heading into a grand final. That's one of the markers, isn't it? Um, this is off the text, Dean I, uh, Dean asked me, did you see SAS Australia yesterday? Mark Philippousis, who was afraid of releasing his power, sourced it in an arm-to-arm punch out with singer Pete Murray, who dislocated his elbow, putting him out of the show. Alicia Mollick handed in her number after being smashed by Yana Pittman. Dean, I can't answer that through fear I'll be incriminated by the beautiful Evie. We're supposed to be watching that together and I've already got a couple of heated text messages uh, asking me if I've actually gone an episode ahead. I cannot answer that. If we were in America, I'd plead the fifth. Uh, back with more after this, Sporting Capital. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. 736 736 call at any stage. After 8 o'clock, uh, Jack Slattery, a member of the 1961 dog side that fronted up against Hawthorne. Um, and they wouldn't have known on that day uh, when they went down that it was going to be 62 long years before they made another grand final. So we'll talk to him because before pleasure often become uh, often we experience pain. So that might be a little theme for tonight, the pain of a loss before what might be a win. And that was the case from uh, 61 to 2016 for the Dogs. And for the D's. their last grand final was the year 2000. So if they're to win on Saturday, uh, the pain was 2000. The pleasure would be Saturday. Jeff White's going to join us to talk about that fateful day as well. Mark's in Bacchus Marsh, quickly with a feel-good. Take it away, Mark.
5: All right, mate, I'll get on with it. Look, special mention to Josh Dunkley, I guess he's pretty happy the dog stuck with him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, special mention to Adam Trelaw, who uh, was left without a club 12 months ago now in a grand final. But I've come up with someone else. Who's that?
0: This guy was on the scrap heap 12 months ago. They said he was done. He once played for Melbourne. He didn't get to play in his own team's final series last year. And now it looks like he's in a grand final for the first time ever. It could be
1: a premise could be a premiership who is it mark ready. i've got 10 no. seconds mate who is it? Martin. There you, go. martin. Hey. there you go nice nomination he's a great man stefan martin um i'd be absolutely rat for him personally if he was able to get that premiership and doing against one of his great mates in max score that's going to be a great battle uh sporting capital continues up next